Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place South Tampa campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Hello, my name is Abraham Villanueva, and I'm the campus pastor here at South Tampa campus of the Resting Place. Welcome to all the first-time visitors. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, welcome home. I always tell people not home because we want you to be in this church, but anytime you go to a church, you're coming to Daddy's house. So welcome home. Thanks for being here. And everybody else, welcome home too. Amen. We're really excited. Um, one announcement that I have is next week we're going to have baptisms. If you've never been baptized, come get baptized. Just come get baptized. It's going to happen. I'm still not sure how it's going to happen, but we're going to have it. It might be a kiddie pool. I will baptize you in a kiddie pool. It's okay. If we got to get you really wet, we'll baptize your head first, then we'll baptize your feet. We'll get it all in there. We will get you in there. We're going to figure it out, but we're going to have it. Amen? Um, we're going out to, to um, Tampa Pride, and we're going to share that message. People need to get saved, and people need to get baptized. We draw them in to the presence of God and let God do the work. So many Christians are so afraid to step out and go because they're like, but what are we going to tell them? And what's going to happen after they come to church and they're in church for three months? How long it take you to get holy, sanctified, purified? That's my question. Because a lot of Christians go, but how do you just accept them in your church? How did I accept you in my church? How did Jesus accept you into his kingdom? Because his kingdom is holy. His kingdom is righteous and glorified. Failed. And yet, how did you make it? I mean, the Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says all have sinned. So where is there an exception now? It makes people uncomfortable, but we're the ones that put boxes on God. We've put parameters on God, and God's like, I'm coming for my harvest, and God doesn't lie in his word when he says the harvest is plentiful. Just because they look different, sin different, act different than you doesn't make them exempt to the glory of God. They are qualified just like you. And the last shall be first. They're going to go before you, I promise. That's how this works. And God has been like, I woke up fire on fire today. Heather wrote to me this morning. She's like, are you okay? Because I just went fire on, on Facebook. I wrote a fiery message. As a matter of fact, let's read it. I hope you're recording. Are we recording? Okay, good. Let's read it because sometimes people are going to read messages. But if you read my message in your tone, you're not going to get it. So let me read it to you so you could get it. It was, it was it's, it's intense. But I woke up with a fire God, and we're going to continue with that in the message. The message is titled, Man of Unclean Lips. And I get to preach it. <laughs> Man of Unclean Lips. Are you ready? I might burn you. <laughs> now, don't buckle up. Release yourself. Maybe you go flying somewhere. <laughs> Oh, hold on. I got to go to my page. Okay, here we go. And I woke up like this. Nobody did nothing to me. 
I have not gotten one message, one text message, one phone call. I have not received not even one of somebody telling me, how dare you? No, people already know my. I've been doing this for so long that people are like, leave him alone. Leave him alone because he's going to eat your head off. I got so many Bible verses in me, I will chop you up. The first thing I'm going to tell you is where were you when I was the kid in the club? Where were you? Where were you? Did you pray for me? You didn't even come looking for me. You didn't even know me. So I'm not expecting you for, I was not expecting you to be where I was at because you didn't even meet me when I was there. But what have you done for the people that are hurting and broken? Judge them, laugh at them, and then keep your holiness to yourself? You kept your religion to yourself? No. If God is bringing uh, what people call judgment to the, to the world, he's starting with the church. A father's not going to rebuke the kid down the street when he didn't rebuke his own child. Correction always starts at home. And you know who's been wicked first? The church. We've known the truth and kept it to ourselves. We sanctified ourselves and forgot that it was God that sanctified us. And all of a sudden, we began to think we did it. We think we made it. But we forgot all the secret sins when nobody was watching. Abba was looking in the whole time. But then we learned. All we learned to do was to act the part and play the part. But then we disregarded every single sinner that's out there. How dare they? How dare you? Well, they want it for drugs. And you want it for pride. And you think it's about you, and now you think you sing beautiful because it's about you. And forgot that it was Jesus that met you in your prayer closet. And it was Jesus that met you in your sin. So yeah, how dare we expect the world to be transformed when we've been hiding in our four walls? How dare we? The church must repent from her wicked ways. If my people, it doesn't say if the sinners repent. That's not even in my note. But if my people will humble themselves, if my people will turn from their wicked ways, what's wicked ways? Slandering your pastors, talking bad about your brothers and sisters in the church, kicking people out of the church because they didn't look like you, act like you, or dress like you. Yeah, those are wicked ways. Because does Jesus act like that? When did Jesus ever cast somebody out? As a matter of fact, Jesus knew that his, own, his homeboys were about to betray him. And he still fed them and raised them and loved them. Because he knew that at first they were going to run away. He knew it. He knew that they were going to run away. But he also knew that after he rose from the grave, they would die for him. The very people that fled from him died for him later on in the same story. You don't know if your future best friend is in the club right now. You don't know if the minister that's going to get you delivered is a prostitute right now. A homosexual, an addict in the streets. You don't know if your next prophet that's going to prophesy your destiny is a homeless man in the street right now. You don't know that. I mean, that's where I was at. Church didn't come for me. When churches heard my testimony, churches ran me out. And I don't mention their name to honor them because God used me to restore them. They never came for me. God took me back to love them. My sister's right there as the witness. So God will do a work in you 
to then go heal the very people that rejected you. God will do a work in you so you could then feed your enemy. And I wouldn't be surprised. As a matter of fact, I'm not surprised. You have no idea how many men and women of God are experiencing God out there all by themselves because there was not a believer to go feed them. And they're still encountering God. And God is making them arise. And they're walking with such an anointing and they're walking with such a glory that people are already starting to wonder, wait, I've been in church for 30 years and I'm still sitting here and this random guy just walks into church and a month later they made him a pastor? Because that's, that's exactly what God is doing and God's been talking to the church and the church hasn't been listening. So I'm just saying, get ready, wake up. Because you might miss it sitting in your chair. You might miss it. And this girl with 10 kids might come up here and become the next teacher in the church. And you thought you had it all together? Let me tell you, you might miss it. I know it's like reality. Other people are like, whoa, he came. Oh, yeah, I am a fire. You see, because I don't come from inside the church. I come from outside the church. God told me years ago that he took me to the streets to love the church in the streets. And that one day he was going to bring me into the church so I could teach the church to love. Why would God say, I'm going to use you to teach the church to love inside, teach the church inside to love the church outside? You know why? Because the church inside got so comfortable that it forgot about love. We forgot about love. We walk by the hungry. We walk by the broken and we go, ugh. I know I've hanged with Christians like that. But God is raising up the bones. God is not raising the living. God is raising the dead. Think about it. He took the prophet to a valley of dry bones. To prophesy to dead bones. And he created an army. You see bones, I see an army. In 2007, God told me that the LGBT community was the, the valley of dry bones. And that he chose me to be a prophet. To go through the valley of dry bones and prophesy life. What's life? Jesus Christ is life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one goes to the Father but through him. This house is full of bones that once were dead, but now we're part of the army. Can I get an amen? Amen? Amen. People that sit here are people that I also met in the streets that didn't have a church, that were hurt by the church, that were rejected. And God out of his power just led me to people, and people started getting saved all those years ago. So regardless if the church kicked me out, they did me a favor. They launched me into my destiny because my destiny wasn't in the four walls. My destiny was in the streets. And that's where I began to see the power of God. You see, in church, I would come with this. See, first of all, God took me to the glory. I experienced the glory. I was broken. People called me homosexual. They called me fag. They called me all sorts of names, Christians, not unbelievers, because some Christians are unbelievers. And some unbelievers are believers, and they're Christians, and you don't even know it. I met, mo I met some holy, homeless people. Holy prophets of God. Walking in the streets. I'm like, why are you out here not in the church? Well, the church didn't want me. I'm like, ooh. They don't, God had me walking into the church, walking into the streets. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. 
why are God's people in the streets? We got to get God's people in the streets. And there's some wolves sitting in the churches we need to get out. But I'm not going to get them out. The glory of God is going to get them out. You're either going to get saved or you're going to get out. You're going to let the fire get purged of impurity in your life. The religion out of your life. The judgment and criticism out of your life. The condemnation out of your life. Because Jesus says, for I have not come to condemn the world. I've come to save the world that in me all will be saved. And there's some condemners in the church. And they're going to have to repent or get out. And not here. Can't even stand them. They ran already. They're like, I'm out now. God is raising an army. God is raising his warriors. Many people have been talking about revival. We are revived. I am not waiting for revival. Do you not know that revival's for the dead? Revivals for the dead, not the living. How can you know Jesus and his life? Why will you need to get revived if you know Jesus? The problem is you're calling Jesus religion. You've been living in religion and that's why you go to church and you're bored. That's why you go to church and you're bound. Because he didn't tell you to go to church. He called you to be church. So a lot of people are like, we need revival. No, you need Jesus. You need Jesus because Jesus is life. And he came to give life and life more abundantly. So why does the church need revival? The church, the bride doesn't need revival. The bride, she's alive. The bride is powerful, maybe. She doesn't have a title in your church. Oh, but I met the bride in the streets. She looked like an old lady giving hugs to sinner. That's what revival looks like. Revival looked like a little old man walking through the hospital laying hands on the sick. And yet he hasn't been ordained and he hasn't been recognized by any denomination. But he's been recognized by the kingdom of heaven. He has the backing up of the Holy Ghost. Revival looks like a girl with a bunch of tattoos giving out water through Ybor City while you're home sleeping. But she's giving water to the drunk so they can make it home safe. Revival looks like a guy that's picking up people and not charging them a penny and driving them home in the middle of their sin, but yet preaching to them in the car. That's what revival looks like. Revival looks like an unknown guy that's walking the street feeding the hungry while you're sitting in your car pulling the window up because you don't feel safe. But revival is burning in the heart of a man. Revival is burning in the heart of a mother that's praying day and night. While you're walking in your religion. Re I don't need revival. I need the army of God to arise. That's what God is looking for. Because you know what God did for you. So you don't need permission to tell the world what God did for you. You know how I ended up with a mic? I started telling the world what God did for me. I said, screw church, screw religion, screw systems. I'm going to preach. And my friends that I met out there are here. So they know I'm not lying. And God then, back then, God told me, that's your church. Those people are your church. I'm like, I'm never going to be a pastor. He's like, oh, you watch and see? Because I'm going to touch you and you're going to raise up a church. I'm like, I'm not raising a church. Nobody wants me. He's like, I want you. Nobody believes in me. I believe in you. They kicked me out and I'm calling you in. He's the God of the opposite. 
And this is not a message of shame. This is a message crying out in the wilderness. Make your way for the Lord for he's coming. Do you not realize that Jesus is coming? Do you not realize that we are in the end of our generation? And even if another generation comes, we're halfway through it already, Rhonda. We're halfway through this life. 44 and 44 equals what? 88. I'm 44. Another 48 year, 44 years, I'll be 88. Jesus Christ, have mercy. And if I'm alive, I'm going to be a fire little crazy man. Let's go. Let's go. They're going to be calling me Papa. I don't even care what they call me. Let's just go. You think I'm a wreck now? Imagine by, when I'm 88, oh, I'm going to blow your brains away. Be like, oh, my God, guys, it's coming. Now it's really coming. Now it's coming, the coming of the Lord. At that point, how much time I have left? Any second. It's even now in any second. Any second, we could be gone. And I'm not just speaking about rapture. I really believe. I don't know about this whole rapture thing. I believe God's going to knock on your door. That's what I believe. All my old pastors like, rapture's coming. You know what? They all left one by one. All my old churches, they all went one by one. And we're still, we're still waiting for this massive group hug. And guys are like, nah, let's make it personal. One by one. One by one. I mean, when you go picking fruits, do you pick all the fruit of the, tree, the same tree at the same time? No, you don't. No, you don't. You pick the ones that are ready. The ones that are ready, you grab them. You grab them. And as the other ones begin to mature, you get plucked. So start maturing, baby. You might get plucked. Start growing. You might get picked. You might get picked. God waits till you're perfectly ripe and ready to serve. And it might not look ready to the other ones. They don't know their fruit too. He's the only one that discerns the heart. I'm telling you, revival is on us. Man of unclean lips. <laughs> Let me read this. I'm gone. <laughs> Welcome to the resting place. <laughs> you might be back. You might not. But you got one good word. <laughs> I preach to everybody like I'm only going to preach to them for one time. So I'm going to give it all to you. If you come back, yay. If you don't come back, yay. I'll see you in the kingdom. Because <laughs> you're going to make it. <laughs> the seed has been implanted. Even if you run out of the doors right now, like, I don't believe what this man is saying. Sorry, gotcha, sucker. <laughs> I put one word in there already. You got it. <laughs> I'll see you in heaven like, hey, you made it. I told you we're going to make it. <laughs> Through the hell and the fire, the storms and the trials, you made it, baby. You made it. Amen. So here we go. I wrote, I'm not, did I start this? I don't remember if I started this. I did? Okay, okay, you see, I'm drunk. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, am I here? Am I there? Maybe I'm everywhere. I don't know. <laughs> okay, I'm not blind to the hypocrisy. And I say this because yeah, I'm a very positive, encouraging prophet because that's the only real prophets there are. Right? Just because I don't call your junk out doesn't mean I don't see it. I see your junk and then I go to my room and I pray about it. And then I only talk about it if God tells me to talk about it. And if God didn't tell me to talk about it, then I'm silent, waiting for the Lord to speak a word. Any mamas in the house? Mama, you know when your kids are up to junk? Right? You know. It's a, did you make it happen? or did, did, When you became a mother, it just happened. It just happened, right? It just happened. Well, when you become a pastor, it just happened too. I'm like, look at this one. Ooh, look at that one. I'm telling you. 
I'm telling you, I know how it works. I could read all my friends right now. I'll be like, look, you, this is how you do it. This is how you, but God didn't give us a prophetic word to do that. God gave us that prophetic vision so we could intercede and pray. And then I stay quiet if I haven't called you with a word because God told me not to talk about it with you. But when God said, hey, wake up, now's the time, it's because you're right. <laughs> you're ready. If I tell you before, you might not be ready to hear it. But at the right time, at the right season, I can be like, hey, stop that garbage. And you're like, oop, okay, sorry. I've done it before, and people get like, and then God's like, don't worry, they'll be back when they need you. And they pop back up like kids. <laughs> God is wonderful, man. So I'm not blind to the hypocrisy. I am not blind to the ignorance. I am not blind to the discomfort people really feel about sharing the good news. I know, like, I know what I've been posting all these weeks. I've been doing this for since 2015 with my friend Wally. I know how people read. Oh, I, I'll just say I didn't see it. Come on, Saka, you saw it. You saw it. Because when I put when I post something else, they saw that. Plus, uh, Facebook's like seen by. <laughs> you know, Facebook shows you who sees your stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you click on it, I click on it, I see it, and I watch. <laughs> yeah, bust it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke. We love her. <laughs> We're family. <laughs> I know visitors are like, we got to go now. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know. So I know what God has called me to do makes you feel uncomfortable. I don't need words of affirmations or even words of encouragement. I don't need prophetic words from those that believe the word, if, from those that don't believe the word they speak. If we're going to prophesy, yo, if God gave you a word, don't give a word, and then you're the first one that doesn't believe the word. Like if God told you your friend is going to the nations, and you're like, hey, girl, God told me you're going to the nations, and then you, 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 your friend packs up their bags and they go into the nations, and you're like, how dare you go to the nations? Hypocrite. Like, you should be the first one giving an offering to your friend to encourage them in their journey to the other nations because you were the one that opened your mouth. Don't give prophetic words if you don't believe it. Even people, if you don't feel good about going next week, don't come. Don't come. If you bought a shirt, I'll give you your money back. Because we're not, it's not about numbers. It's about your heart seeing people's lives transform. We're not putting on a show. We believe because God met us in that place. God didn't meet Wally in the, in the church. God met Wally in the club. God didn't meet me in the church. God met me in the streets, in my sin. God met me. God, God sent prophets to me while I was in the club in Orlando Parliament House partying, and a prophet of God came up to me. And God is looking for the prophets that will walk in the valley of dry bones. Not to go party, not to get contaminated, to bring the glory of God into the darkened places. So if you're not ready, no shame. No shame. But if you know God been calling you for a long time, and you've just been rebellious, or maybe you have an offense to a specific community, but you know God's going to save them, and you're just refusing to go, then yeah, shame on you. Get up and go do what God's called you to do. Some of you might be going through a storm. You might be like, why am I always in a storm? Get out of the boat and go back in the direction God called you to go in. 
you're only going through a storm because you've been disobedient and you can, you're rebuking the devil, rebuking the devil, and he ain't going nowhere because it's not the devil. It's God shaking your boat. It's God making you uncomfortable. It's God pressing all your buttons so you can come out of your shell and do what God's called you to do. You acting like you asleep. You're not asleep. Wake up. I'm going to just hide here. You know how many people I will see walking here? I'm like, why are you hiding? I see, God opens your spiritual eyes. When he makes you a pastor, he opens your spiritual eyes, guys. Let's keep going. Prophetic words, words of affirmation, words of encouragement, I'm not saying they're bad. They are beautiful. They're lovely. But I don't need your words to send me to my destiny. Because a long time ago, I heard the voice of God. Not through a prophet. I was in my room alone. And the voice of God spoke to me. And when the voice of God spoke to me, I had to learn to obey the voice of God and not the voice of man. My own pastors back in the day were like, well, no, you can't go to that parade. Or oh, well, let me tell you something. God said, go. And I'm going to go. Well, well you're going to get contaminated. Contaminated with what? If greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Oh, yeah, the religious will use scripture. The devil uses scripture to stop you from your destiny. But you got to know the word. And I'm not talking about Bible verses. That's only a part. Do you know the word is a man? You know, in the beginning was the word. When it says that, it was not saying, in the beginning was the Bible. In the beginning was the Son of Man, the Son of God, Yeshua HaMashiach. The Word is the Son of God. In the very beginning, it was Him. And in the very end, is Him. And none of us matter but Him. And it's walking into obedience. God, and you're going to be presented with challenges because it's, this is the way that it works. God calls you and then God hardens the hearts of the people. To see if you're still going to go. Ask Moses if you don't believe me. He says, Moses, go and tell the Pharaoh, but I'm going to harden his heart. I used to read that and I used to get confused. It's like, what? Are you playing games? Like, I'm not playing games. I'm preparing my son for obedience. But yeah, people are going to be like, uh, you're crazy. No, that's not going to work. It's only to teach you how to stand up for yourself. Be like, well, I'm still going. I don't know, but I'm going to follow the voice of the Lord. And that's when it works. When the pandemic happened, uh, uh, I would go out and feed the homeless. My dad is really worried. But God told me, go feed the hom hom homeless during the pandemic because nobody was going out to feed them. And God told me to go out and feed them. But my father's like, are you going to get coronavirus? Don't go out. You're going to make us sick. Everybody's going to get sick. And I'm like, if I perish, I perish. But I need to do what God called me to do. And I went out. And Frankie went with me, remember? And we encountered People crying because nobody else was feeding them. People were desperate. God knew the needs of his people, but God needs a vessel in order to provide the need for his people. Those are his people. You know how many people out there, they don't go to church, but they're praying to God for the next meal? God is their God. God is the God of the hungry. God is the God of the broken. People, people, people know about God. They do. And we are the reminderers of God's love. We go out to remind people of the love of the Father. So 
So I will remind the world, I preach because I believe. I preach because I believe. I always say it. I think that's my quote. They should put that on my, on my tombstone when I die. I don't preach for others to believe. I'm not preaching right now so you can believe me. No. Nope. I'm preaching because I believe. I open my mouth because it's burning in my heart. I am not trying to convince you. You need to go on your journey with God. You need to learn the voice of God. You need to learn the word of God. I'm preaching because I know, because I believe and because I've seen. So I open up my mouth and I will not be silent. They could take this mic, they, they could take this mic away. The, the ministry could change their mind about me one day. And guess who's going to keep on preaching? I'm going to be like, okay, nice, thanks. I'm still going to preach. Baby, I don't preach for Caleb. I don't preach for Tracy. I don't preach for the resting place. I preach for Jesus Christ. The one that loved me when nobody else was there. And they know that. I'm not going to compromise the message of the Lord for nobody. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to do. I'm going to say. If my own physical father at times told me, you crazy, you shouldn't be. And I still went. Everybody else better get used to it. Just get used to it. I'm going to go. And I'm going to say. And I'm going to do what my daddy told me to do. What my dad told me to say. That he loves his hurting people. And with, with ropes of love, he's drawing them in like he did with me. Church didn't want me. It took a whole encounter with Jesus Christ. I had an encounter with Jesus on January 7, 2011, when the person Jesus came into my room. And I told him how messed up I was. And all he said was, I want to touch you. I want to touch you. I'm like, but I messed up. But I sinned. But I failed. This is how I want you. I told them, not like this, Lord. I thought you were coming when I was fasting, when I was praying, when I was teaching, but like this, I'm in sin. This is how I want you. It's not how he kept me, but it's how he wanted me. It's like a mechanic. A mechanic, you're not going to do anything for a mechanic if you bring him a brand new fixed car. He ain't going to do nothing. Bring him a broken car. Bring him a broken car. And you'll see him smile. Because now he gets to do his work. He gets to fix. He gets to heal. He gets to restore. So you know what God is looking for? He's looking for some broken people. So he can show off his might. So he can show his power. And then you're like, whoa, God did it. And then that person goes out like a little model. Oh, yeah, he fixes guys. Guys, he fixes guys. Next. Anybody want to be next? Anybody want to be next? Somebody needs to go into his shop and get fixed. And when you get fixed and you feel the touch of the Lord upon your life and he heals your abuse, you're not talking to a guy that was raised in a beautiful place. I was abandoned by my mother. I was molested as a child. I was bullied as a little kid my whole freaking life. Beat up for no reason whatsoever. Ran out of churches, humiliated. And then Jesus, then Jesus, people are like, wow, you're a powerful evangelist. You're a powerful prophet. And you still don't get it. You still don't get it. You still don't get it. When have you seen me give me glory? I'm constantly giving him glory. Because he will take the broken pieces of your life. He'll make you love your enemies. It's not, not like this, like, you better love your enemies. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is he's going to fill you with so much love and so much glory that you're going to look at them and you're only going to see broken little kids. And somehow you're just going to want to help them. 
So he makes you love your enemies. It's not a law. God's not an evil teacher. No. God is such a good teacher that he teaches you love. He teaches you compassion and the very people you couldn't stand. I don't even know how it works. I kid you not. You're just like, oh, my God, their mom died. I want to be there. And all of a sudden, you just bring them an offering. And all of a sudden, you're in your room praying for the very people that humiliated you. That's the love of God, and it happens in your heart. It doesn't happen in church. It doesn't happen in religion. It doesn't happen in a system. It happens alone with God when God separates you, and God chooses to have a conversation of glory with you. And all of a sudden, you begin to forgive, and you don't even know how you know something you did not know before. I was taught law. You better forgive your enemies. You better do this. You better do that. You better go here. You better go there. And it never made any sense. But when I got to hear the voice of God, and his voice so sweet. God does not sound like any of the preachers you watch on TV, by the way. He doesn't. He doesn't sound like any of them. I heard his voice. His voice is so sweet. When you hear the voice of God, it's honey. And, and when he speaks, he, he immediately creates all around you. You could be in a standing in front of him in this dark void, and he begins to speak. He goes, let there be light. And you see it. I'm telling you, you're there, and you see him just speaking and everything happening. And the ones that have those cheesy smiles, if you look around the room, some of them are like this. It's because they've been there. They know what I'm talking about. There is a place where God brings your spirit, and you're just like, where am I? He's like, the beginning. And he begins to speak his word like this. He goes, for I know the plans I have for you. And they're not plans to harm you. They're plans to give you a future and a hope. They're plans to bless you. That's how he speaks. I tell you, and then you're like, no way. And you just, inside you become like a little kid. And you just become giddy. And he's like, oh, nothing will ever separate you from my love. Not height and not death, not angels, not demons, nothing in all of creation can separate you from my love. And then you're like, Lord, is this really you? And it's really him. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Everywhere you go, I'll be right there with you. <laughs> That's how daddy talks. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm in love with my father. People think I'm crazy. My family think I'm crazy. And I'm like, hey, let's go. <laughs> he filled me. You know that I almost died? I almost ended my life. I thought I had HIV, and yet I'm alive. And I don't, I'm sorry. Nobody needs to tell me look good. I look good. I look good. I don't even look my age. I look old when I was 21. I was depressed and miserable. I couldn't love me. And you can't just love you. You need to discover the love of the Father. And when you see how he looks at you, you're just like, no. No way. You think I'm beautiful? He flirts with you. I'm telling you, if you don't believe me, God flirts with you, read Song of Solomon. And you'll be like, arise, my lovely. Arise, my radiant one. Come to the secret stairway in the sky. I'm like, Lord, let's, wait, wait for me. Don't go. She's ready to go. She's like, let's go. <laughs> 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 
when you discover the word through love, it's like, all this time this was here? How was this here? I was raised in religion. My, my religion teachers know the book of Solomon is a sexual book, blah, blah, blah. What are you talking? It's not sexual at all. You're blind. This is glory. I'm a queen. Hey. I'm the Shulamite. What are you talking about? You're a queen. You're a Shulamite. I don't know. Read your Bible. You'll find out. <laughs> Read it. Read it. You'll find out how beautiful you are. You'll find out what God says about you. You'll read scripture and he'll read. Man, people think like, oh, I don't know what heaven is going to be like because you're not reading your Bible. And if you're reading your Bible, you're reading it in religion. But if you were to read it in love, you'll see that he already painted a picture. As a matter of fact, we put art to help you imagine. Uh, wondering what this picture is? The bridegroom and the Shulamite. Right there. Do you see their wedding bangs on their fingers? Behind them, right over there. What's that picture? Jesus with his hands extended. This is what it says. My sheep hear my voice and they follow. The voice of a stranger they do not follow. My sheep are hidden in the palm of my hand. And no one will snatch them away. Do you see it? You could go through every picture and be like, oh, oh, oh. The word of God is spirit, guys. The word of God is not religion. The word of God is not a bunch of laws that you need to follow. Like you're a slave. He says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. He even said, he didn't say, you better get in here and eat this food that I prepare for you. You're hungry, come. You're thirsty, come. No, that's not what he said. He said, if you are willing, he's giving you a choice. Are you hungry? Come. Are you thirsty? Come. Come and eat. Come and drink. It's free. Read Isaiah 55. You'll get it. That's him. He's prepared a feast like a good father. He's prepared a place for his children. And we that have encountered the goodness of God, we should just be drawing other people in. Like, yo, that is good. I know they told you that hates you. I know that they told you that God is upset with you. God loves you. Can you come? Just come. Let me show you how good God is. I just want to show you. I want to show you the love of God. He saved me. I mean, think of the Samaritan woman. He has me so off what I was going to say, but it's okay. It's not my way. It's his way. It's Yahweh's way. So the, the lady, the Samaritan, by law, they could not connect with her. By law, she couldn't even be in the same area. And yet Jesus was like, I'm going to get her. I feel like he saw her many times. He was like, yep, the day's coming when I'm going after her. And then he comes to her, the lady with the issue of blood. She wasn't even supposed to be in the room. All the lepers were not supposed to be in the room. Isn't that the same thing we tell the sinners out there? can't be in your room when you you need you need you need three weeks you got to change uh, this has happened in churches we have witnesses but did jesus give a time frame he's like as a matter of fact they give you a time frame how about we get you healed right now be healed i have a feeling people gonna come in here just be healed and people are gonna be like wait what i've been waiting 20 years i've been waiting 30 years and they just walked in and they get healed yeah, because it's a condition of the heart. Because you've been trying to tell God how to do it. 
And God's not going to let nobody tell him how to do it. God's going to tell you how to do it. And until you don't learn to hear his voice and follow his steps, not your steps, you're going to wait in line, missy. Be like, stand right there and you wait. I've seen that. Why well, God use you like that? People told me that. Why well, God use you like that? He don't use me like that. Your attitude. Your attitude defines your altitude. So how about you humble yourself a little bit so God can exalt you? But if you exalt yourself, he needs to bring you down. Down, girl. Down. He's the God of the opposites. He's the God of the opposites. He loves the broken because he gets to heal them. He loves the captives because he gets to set them free. He loves the blind because he gets to give them sight. And you're dead here. You're dead life. I'm telling you, if you don't know that this is what Jesus does, this is what Jesus does. He goes into places and creates the opposite atmosphere and brings a, the opposite condition to what you have. That's why he could take a prostitute like he did with the prophet and make her into a beautiful bride. That's what he does. That's who he is. Anyways, if you want to read what I wrote, just go read it. You already heard my voice enough. <laughs> yeah, because I'm never going to finish. <laughs> it's getting hot in here, right? <laughs> I need some fresh air. <laughs> anyway, a man of unclean lips. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Uh, the prophet saw the Lord. Like, in his worst moment, King Uzziah was his friend. So in the middle of chaos and death and pain, this man, before he was a prophet, <laughs> this is when he became a prophet. So this is the prequel, not the sequel. This is not the story. Because everybody, oh yeah, prophet Isaiah. But let's talk about him before he was a prophet. He saw the glory of the Lord when his friend died. He was in pain and suffering. He saw that the Lord was high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. He saw the angels and the seraphims crying out, Holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook. And the temples was filled with smoke. And he said, woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. I'm a sinner. Yeah, he got to see the glory. He wasn't fasting. He wasn't praying. He wasn't perfect. And he recognizes somehow he's experiencing the glory of God. But woe unto me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Oh, my God, why am I seeing this? I'm a sinner. I'm a failure. That's why hence the title, a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. A man of unclean lips gets to experience the glory of God. A man of unclean lips lives amongst people with unclean lips. Bunch of gossipers. Probably gluttons, eating all the time. Can't shut their mouths because they're always eating. They're always talking about, about their neighbor. Slandering everybody. Oh, you can come here. Look at you. Those are people of unclean lips. Curse this, F that, F this, did that. That's all. Unclean mouth. Cursing people, hurting people, stabbing people. That's unclean lips. And he says, woe to me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among uh, people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the king. 
the Lord Almighty? Then one of the seraphims flew to me. You could just see it like with the coal, the burning coal. He, he goes and he, look, we'll make this egg the coal. And the angel comes and burns fire on his lips. He takes the coal with the tongues from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of God saying, whom shall I send? Who will go? See, God's not going to send you without touching you with the fire. God's going to send you after he touches you with the fire. Always. God's not going to send you without seeing his glory. I think too many people are going without seeing the glory. Too many people are like, well, I just got saved. I'm going to go. I'm like, well, have you seen the glory? See, because you need to hear the voice of God. You need to hear the tone of God's voice. So when you go out, you could do it correctly. You need to experience the fire of God purge you in your unclean spot. And that's what happened to him. He got touched with the fire. You know why God chose you? Because he needs you. You know why God chose Isaiah? Because he needed a man with unclean lips to reach a people with unclean lips. Why would God send somebody that didn't have unclean lips to a people that have unclean lips? Will that person even understand their issue, their struggle, their sin? No, God chose Isaiah because he had the same issue as the people that he was being sent to. And now he was the testimony. No, no, guys. Oh, my God. I know you don't want to go to church because you got a potty mouth. I know you don't want to go to church because you, you spoke bad about your friends. But, you know, I did too. And the fire God touched my mouth and God changed my life. So now I'm a witness to you that he is one the working power, that his blood can cleanse, that his fire can purify. Like, come with me. You know why you're here? Because you are the, the prophet to your people. You are the person chosen to reach out. Maybe you were chosen to get the religious saved. Maybe you were chosen to get the LGBT community saved. Maybe you were chosen to get the homeless saved. Maybe you were chosen to get the addicted saved. I don't know. What's your struggle? And I'll tell you your calling. Tell me what was your sin, and I'll tell you your call. Because, you know, whatever you call your sin, I see the fire of God getting in it. You got an excuse, I see the fire getting of, of God getting in your excuse right now. Well, I was hurt by the church. I see the fire of God getting into your hurt. So you can fulfill your destiny. So you can fulfill your call. No more excuses. You're going to reach a generation for God. You haven't even dreamed it yet. But the glory of God, I declare, God, you would open up all their eyes to see your glory like never before. I'm talking about not a feeling. Mm -mm. I'm talking about straight up open eye vision, a trance that takes you somewhere else. That you will be shocked out of your life like what just happened to me. That you will have a dream with the glory of God that you will wake up speaking in tongues. That your mom and dad will think you're crazy. I pray that they will call the doctor thinking you're nuts because you're speaking in a different language. I hope it happens. I hope, you, I hope you go blind for three days. I hope you speak in tongues for a whole week 
you can't even go to work because you're only speaking in tongues. Oh, I believe it. It happened to me. I got hit with the glory of God for three days. I was seeing visions. I wasn't even seeing visions. My eyes were open. Every, I thought everybody was playing cosplay or everybody just put costumes on. It's going to be my pastor. Why are you dressed like that? Why are you dressed like that? Why did everybody change their clothes? And I didn't even know what I was saying. I was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, you're wearing this crown that goes up to eternity. How do you even wear a crown so big? And why are you holding such a sword so big in your hand, woman? Do you not see that sword? It's a double-edged sword. Do you not see that God's giving you authority and that you no longer have to hide, but that he's made you a light and you shine and you see, you should see your golden dress of glory? Do you see that your hair is healing to the nations? That as you walk, people are being healed? Because I see healing in your hair. I see oil dripping on your hair right now. That's what I'm talking about. God will open up your eyes and you're like, wait, you're a warrior? You're a warrior? You're a warrior. You are a warrior. Look at you. You know how to fight. You manage that shield and sword so well. Like, I don't know how you do all that. I just, I just see you with the sword like. You're like, ha, ah, pray your life. <laughs> Keep going. Keep praying. Because you're going to see the answers. No just has been left alone. You're the just of the Lord. I see the justice of God upon your life. The alarms are sounding. <laughs> yes. Do it, woman. You know how to fight. The Lord says you're a good discerner. And you're a good user with the word of the Lord. You are. He says you, you know how to use it gently but swiftly. He says don't, don't be afraid. You've used it properly. You know how to use the sword. You know how to use the word. You're doing it. I see you. You, just, you know how to manage it. Even if accusations have come and people say you cut me, they got cut because they needed to be cut because they had an infection and you got it out. There were things in their life you went and you pulled it right off. I see how you use that sword. And God just makes it go. They think people think you're attacking them and you're attacking that little demon biting in their heart and you just go. The demons are this little and yet you pierce through them to get the demon in and out. They're like, oh, you hurt me. No, I didn't. I hurt that demon. You feel like you got hurt. You got pierced with the word so you could be transformed. But I got that demon in your life. Because I see you piercing hearts for the Lord. You do surgery with the Lord. So keep using that sword the way that you use it. Go ahead. And the way that you use the shield, you know how to use faith. You're just like, clink, clink, clink. You're like, you're almost like, like Captain America. You're just like, you just know how to use the shield. And God's saying, you know how to use faith. Keep using faith. Keep blocking the darts of the enemy, even when they come against your kids. Like, Mom, you're just too much. No, shut up, boy. I'm, I'm fighting the devil right now. All those, the enemies are throwing darts at your kids, and you're like, ding, 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 ding. Keep going. Let them call you crazy. Their eyes are going to pop open. Oh, yes, they are. Ha, <laughs> ha. Your eyes are going to pop open. Your eyes are going to pop open. People are going to think you're crazy because you're going to walk with the glory of God. And God says, that's my song. That's my song. I've, you're God's whistle. <laughs> you're like his little flute. He's just like, and on earth you're like, I see you singing. <laughs> it's so much fun when you go to the glory. <laughs> it's not even scary. It's like, a garden. <laughs> 
So you go, it's like I'm preaching, and then I go blank. <laughs> I go kablooey. <laughs> it's so wonderful. And you, you're so precious. You're so precious before the Lord. He's giving you the gift of joy. I see the Lord. Excuse me, I don't want to step in here. I see your, your mourning, and I see your tears turning to joy. You have to go through those seasons of crying. But it's almost like being squeezed out because joy is next. You're not rejected. Even those that pushed you away, it's okay, God, to get them out. So you could end up in your destiny and you could end up in your purpose. But you have such a sweet spirit and a sweet joy. And you're, the Lord wants you to know that you are pure. You're pure. You're so pure. He doesn't see you any other way but pure. You're pure. You're going to do great things, I promise. You're going to do great things. And I just see people um, being safe around you. And I see the, the even like this, the sweater that you have on, the, I see it in the spirit as the comforter. It's the Holy Spirit. And right here you have like, um, wing, I think you're going to be a pastor. You're going to pastor one day. You have wings. And uh, the, the, the angels, the angels are the, the pastors on earth. So in the spirit, you look like an angel. You got wings here. And you're going to pastor one day. And you're going to bring comfort to people. And all these things you've cried about, all these things that still felt like shame, you're going to see this group of kids. And they're just going to be in love with you. Because when they look at you, they're going to see Jesus. And you're going to bring the comfort of the Lord. And those are going to be like your spiritual kids. You're going to have many. I see, I see you like a mother hen. And just going like that, and you're covering them, you're protecting them. And the Lord says, those are the people that I'm giving you. The people that one day you'll leave. You don't have to go looking for them right now. You don't even have to do nothing with this word right now. God's just letting you know what you are eternally. You're a protector. You have this beautiful wing, and they cover, and they protect, and they bring safety. For many people that have been rejected, you're going to be their home. You're going to be their comfort. They're going to love you. You've you got a long life ahead of you. You will not die, but you will live. And you will give an account of the glory of the Lord. You're going to tell the world. Like, he's going to make you flow like a river. And you're just going to, you're, you're, called, you're called babbling brook. Because <laughs> you're going to babble and babble and babble. You're going to be, you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. I see the presence of God upon you. And your tongues are the, the, the language of heaven. And, but you'll interpret it as well. And you'll hear the message of God and you'll speak it upon people's lives. Remember. Remember who you are. You have a call upon your life, and it's going to be great. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. And that's how God does it. You want to know how I go to the streets? Now you know. We need prophets in the streets. And, not, and this is not so you could come with us next week. We got enough people. I want you to go home. I want you to go everywhere you go, and I want you to learn the word of God. And I'm telling you, you could walk into Walmart and just be like, just one, Lord, just one. Who needs a word right now? And then just go to that person and release the promise of God. Release what God shows you. And it's like, you'll see that person's life change. And then you'll go to another. God needs a man of unclean lips. Because when God takes the fire, now he's a man of clean lips. Now he's a man of pure lips. Because the Lord says, now your shame has been removed. Gone is your shame. Gone is your sin. So the very person that was a person of unclean lips now becomes a person that speaks glory. Which means now the person of glory is going to go to the people of unclean lips. And what's going to have to happen to the people of unclean lips? They become people of purified lips as well. 
they become people of glory. And you're going to go to a people. You're going to go to a generation. You're going to go to lives that you have not thought about, dreamed about. And God, one day, you'll look and you'll be like, oh, this is what you meant. Like, I'm, I'm standing in front of my people right now. You guys are the people of unclean lips. <laughs> and get, God takes you to the glory. He shows you something wonderful. And then you start telling other people of the wonders that are already prepared. Amen? I'm going to just leave it there. There's more, but that's really the sole purpose of it all. Jonah was sent, to God, was sent by God to a people of wickedness. A people of, of disobedience. And then Jonah, don't be like Jonah. Be like Isaiah. Recognize your sin. Recognize your failure. And then just go to the people God's telling you to go to. Jonah was a prophet. Heard the voice of God. But then decided to go the other way. And people wonder why. Oh, he was just scared. No. That's not why Jonah went the other way. No. Jonah had sin and anger in his heart. So instead of when Jonah saw the glory, the Lord, he should have been like, woe unto me, I'm a man of angry heart. And then God would be like, okay, go fire. But then Jonah goes, hears of God to go to an angry people. Nineveh was angry people, right? But God sends an angry prophet to an angry people, but he shouldn't go angry. But he was just rebellious, disobedient, right? So you all know, I imagine you know the story of Jonah. Jonah hears from God disobeys, goes to uh, uh, some other place. It was, I uh, forgot. He was sent to Nineveh, goes the opposite direction, hides in a boat. The storm comes. He confesses, it's my fault. God is angry. He gets thrown into the water. Then a big fish swallows him up. He repents in the belly of the whale or the fish and takes him to, uh, the whale delivers him to Nineveh, right? And then he gets to preach. And then the rebellious people receive the message of God. God is not sending you to a rebellious people so they remain the same. God is sending you to a, a rebellious people so their lives can be transformed. If God sent you, he didn't send you to fail. Hello? He sent you to succeed. And this is where he was messed, Jonah messed up. And, and, and it doesn't speak about it. A lot of people, he's afraid, he's scared. No, he wasn't. He was angry. And I'm going to prove it be before I go. It says, but Jonah, this is Jonah chapter 4. But Jonah, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? So you see, he had a conversation with God that it doesn't appear on chapter 1, but now it appears on chapter 4. That is why I tried to forestall. I tried to forestall. I was trying to stop God from doing what God needed to do. I forestalled by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are gracious and compassionate God. I knew that you are a gracious God. I knew that you were a compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding to love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Listen, he didn't want to go to that community of people because he knew that God was going to save them. 
He knew that God was going to redeem them. He knew that God had the power to restore our evil people. And for too long, we've been looking at certain communities and saying, God don't love you. We are the ones that are wrong. Because he is a, a God that abounds in love. If he loved you in your sin, he's going to love them in their sin. If he restored you from your wickedness, he's going to restore them from their wickedness. Are you a Jonah? Are you refusing to go to the streets? Because you really know. You really know what God's about to do with them. And you're the one trying to stop it. You're about to see revival whether you like it or not. Whether you join the mission with God or not, you're going to see revival. Whether you like it or not, the LGBT community is going to get hit with the fire of God. Whether you like it or not, whether you support it or not, the prostitutes are going to get saved. The addicts are going to get saved. And the churches are going to be filled with broken people that are going to be restored with the glory and might of God. Whether you like it or not, whether you support it or not, God don't need you. God is going to make it happen all by himself. So you might as well jump on board. You might as well repent first of your wicked way. This was the difference between Jonah and Isaiah. Isaiah repented when he saw the glory. Isaiah repented when he saw the, when he heard the voice of God, he repented. But Jonah was like, I'll go, but I'm not going to go because you're going to save them. I don't know, maybe Jonah was hurt by a, a person from Nineveh. Maybe somebody in his family was molested by somebody from Nineveh. Maybe somebody in his family was raped from Nineveh. And he had anger issues in his heart, so he's not let them all perish. But God had a mission. God said, I want to save those people. So you chose to go the opposite way. But let me tell you, God is going to rock your boat. God is going to rock your boat. God's going to shake you out of your comfort. And God wants to bring healing not only to Nineveh. God wants to bring healing and not only to the LGBT community. God wants to bring healing to the church. God wants to heal the church. God wants to heal your heart. Maybe you have a grudge because somebody from that community raped you, molested you. Maybe religion put a thought about them in your mind. And you just dislike them. But yet God is telling you to love them. Not telling you to love what they do. But speak his word. Maybe God's telling you to forgive the person that raped you. That molested you. That abused you. Maybe God wants you to forgive the pastor that kicked you out. Maybe God wants you to forgive the husband that beat you. Maybe God is trying to do something greater that you have never thought about. But you're running from God. You're trying to hide from God because you know that God is gracious and abounding in love. And he relents. Relents means he's holding back from sending calamity. For he does not want anyone to perish, not even your enemy. Not even a community that hurt you. He does not want them to perish. But he wants everlasting life to come to them. Through you, you're the vessel chosen to forgive. You're the vessel chosen to bring life. 
I know this is crazy real. Everybody's eyes are like, I'm going home now. Yes. I know this is like stirring things in people's hearts. Yes. You know what? I hated the church. Churches humiliated me. Churches called me all sorts of names. They called me crazy, tone it down. You're too happy, you're too excited. You speak too many tongues. You testify too much, you're too happy. And I walked away from the church from me for years. And yet God said, I'm calling you. I've chosen you to raise up the church. You're gonna tease the church. Like, ah, uh, yeah, let them burn. He's like, no, I'm putting my glory in you so you can lead them. And yet here I stand today, leading Christians teaching Christians the love of Abba stirring hearts even though the church I should be the last person representing Christianity because Christianity wanted me dead Christianity was ashamed of me and yet I stand today as an ambassador of Christianity as an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven as an ambassador of King Jesus so if I could love the people that hurt me, so can you. And not saying that anybody here hurt me because, no. I'm just saying what Christianity represents. And I'm not against Christianity. I love Christianity. Is God fixing things in Christianity? Oh, yes, he is. Because Christianity is the religion for all God's people. Christianity represents the Savior that came to a hurting world. God did not call us to have arguments with people. He called us to speak the word. Just speak the word. And you'll see the might, you'll see the glory, you'll see the power of our Lord. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Is it your right to be angry that God wants to save people? Is it your, is your right to be angry that those sinners are coming to church? Well, all these people coming to church now, so I'm not going to come to church. Is it your right to be angry? You have no right. Have no right, Jonah. Jonah had gone and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter. Sat in his shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow over Jonah to, hide, to give him shade for his head and to ease discomfort. So here Jonah is waiting to see what's going to happen. And a plant grows and begins to cover him and give him shade. But at the next day, God provided a worm which chewed up the plant so that it was withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. And said, I would be, it would be better for me to die than to live. I think Jonah was a little bit suicidal, by the way. Um, but God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is. It is my right to be angry for the plant. He said, I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight, but yet you're angry about this little plant, right? And should I have not, and should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, 
in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also their animals? Here you are about a plant that died that you didn't even care for, but you didn't even consider a city with 120,000 people. Sometimes we're so concerned about our system and our comfort zone and our shade place because this feels so good that we're not concerned with the 120,000 people in Ybor City. We're not concerned with the 120,000 people that are hungry. We're not concerned with the 120,000 people that are addicted. We're not concerned about the 120,000 people that are broken. 120,000 children that are in the foster care system. Because we're comfortable. Let God deal with your heart. Let God remove the anger. Let God put the fire in your anger and purify it. And then it becomes passion. Let God take the burning coal and put it on your lips or maybe your mind, maybe your hands. I don't know. I don't know what body part you consider your sinful part. Maybe your mind. But maybe your religion. Maybe your culture. Maybe your tradition. Let the fire of God get into whatever needs to get to. And then let God use that very thing to get everybody else saved. You are a prophet chosen for such a time as this. A prophet is one that comes announcing the good news. Go announce the good news anywhere you go. Announce. God is looking for the people that are going to make the sound of heaven here on earth. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place South Tampa campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.